You're too tall, you're too short, too fat, too skinny. I don't want you on my team. You're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. People like us, we can't do that. Don't, don't, don't even try that. I want to break up with you. I want a man with more muscles or more money. I don't love you anymore. Found someone else and I want a divorce. Oh, how we've been haunted and hurt by the words of other people. Then, of course, there's the woman who, every time her husband beats her, she feels less and less like a princess. Yet, for, in some weird, sick way, she's actually grateful that he married her because he told her that no other man would ever want her. Oh, what a tyranny it is to let others define us. It places a ceiling on what we believe we can accomplish. We end up settling for that which we should never settle for. Let me tell you something. No one else has a right to define who you are. And in contrast, we have Joseph. Now, Joseph was 17 years of age when he was pastoring the flock, Scripture tells us. A teenager living in an obscure place in the Middle East. And over the next 20 years, he would overcome what the Bible would call hardship, affliction, and torment of the soul. And he would become prime minister of Egypt and save two people groups from starvation. Now, that's an impressive resume. I want to know, though, how did Joseph get from over there to prime minister? I believe the key is found in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, and then also in verse 9. Now, Joseph had a dream. And then later on, then he dreamed another dream. Joseph received two dreams from God. And both of them meant the same thing. That one day, his brothers, his family would bow down to him, and he would provide God-honoring, loving leadership to them. And that is, how God, that is how Joseph defined himself, and that is our first lesson for today. At all times, let God define you. See, Joseph had every ample opportunity to let other people define him. He came from a dysfunctional home. His dad, Jacob, was a very shady character. At one point, his uncle Esau wanted to kill his dad. His mom died at an early age, but that's okay. He had a stepmom and another stepmom and another stepmom, all living in the same commune at the same time. He had a brother, Reuben, who had an inappropriate relationship with one of his stepmoms. He had a brother, Judah, that slept with his daughter-in-law, thinking she was actually a prostitute had a sister who was a rape victim, had brothers who were murderers, and had two nephews that were so wicked that God killed them. Now that's a dysfunctional household. And a lot of people would have looked at Joseph and said, you're just a statistic. You can't possibly succeed in life. And Joseph said, wait a second. God told me I was going to be a leader. I believe that. His, his brothers looked at Joseph and said, you're nothing but a punk kid and mocked his dreams. Joseph said, no, God called me to be a leader. At one point, Joseph was a slave, but he refused to be defined as a slave. He said, I'm a leader because God called me to be one. He landed in prison for a crime he didn't commit, but he refused to be called a convict because he said, God told me I'm a leader. See, Joseph said, I don't care who you say I am. I am what God says I am. Nothing more, nothing less. And then it comes home to us. 
God has given us a dream in his word. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word workmanship means masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece if we're a Christian. A masterpiece of good works. He who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1, 6 says. We are ones whom God is doing a great work in. Do you realize Ephesians 1 defines us as saints? A saint just isn't a football team in New Orleans. It's not a super-duper Catholic. You are a saint. If President Obama were to call me up and say, Jay, I've heard you've been to Belize a couple times. I want you to be the ambassador to Belize. I'd say, yes, sir, Mr. President, I can't wait to represent this great country. Well, let me tell you something. In the Bible, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has dialed up your number and has said to you, you are an ambassador for my kingdom in your corner of the world. That's who you are. You're God's witness. Psalm 139 tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God has more precious thoughts toward us than there are grains of sand. So we just need to deal with it. Forget what other people define us as. Say with Joseph, I am what God says I am. Well, that led to other good decisions in Joseph's life. And it should in ours as well. And here's the second lesson we learned from Joseph. When life's not fair, we need to shine and not whine. Joseph's life was not fair. It's not fair to grow up in a dysfunctional family. It's not fair to be thrown in a pit by your brothers and have them eating a meal. That's cold. It's not fair to be sold into slavery. Yet when Joseph got down to Egypt and he was in Potiphar's household, he didn't throw in the towel. He didn't moan and he didn't groan. This is what he did. Genesis chapter 39, starting in verse 1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was in all that he did in the house and in the field. How did Joseph react when life wasn't fair for him? He said, I am not in a situation I want to be in. And it's not fair, but I'm going to make the most of it. Maybe this unfair situation is the very vehicle in which God is going to drive me to his dream and my destiny. There were other slaves in Potiphar's household, but he shined above them all. Once again, Joseph's life would not be fair. He would be falsely accused of a crime he didn't commit. And where would he end up? In prison. And yet in prison, he didn't throw in the towel and give up on life and think he was doomed. We see his reaction in Genesis 39, starting in verse 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And there he was in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him um, favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, 
the Lord made it succeed. Once again, Joseph, when life wasn't fair for him, he decided, I'm going to shine. There were other prisoners, but Joseph shined above them all. It's no wonder he ended up in the place of leadership. And now let's bring it back to us. I hate to break this to you, but life's not fair. We may wish it was, we may hope it would be, but it's not. Bad things happen to good people. The most qualified person doesn't always get the job. Sometimes you could be loving the Lord and you'll get sick. You can throw your heart into a relationship and the other person can betray you. None of that's fair. But we need to know what to do with it when it's not fair. I would encourage you to share your frustration with God. But then in the midst of your frustration and your pain, say, God, help me to shine in this situation. See, most people, when circumstances are going well in life, they're happy. But when circumstances are difficult, that's the chance for the believer, for the Christian, to give an account for the hope that is in them, to distinguish yourself from other people. Let me tell you something, young people. Employers are not looking for employees who whine about problems. They're looking for employees who are willing to solve problems. Do you understand that even when life's not fair, you're still called upon to be God's ambassador? Romans 8.28 is true for the believer, even when life's not fair. All things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So make up your mind that when life's not fair, you're going to shine and not whine. You're talking about someone who had an unfair life? It was Jesus. He came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He came to love, heal, and forgive, and that's exactly what he did. Yet his friends were, were for the most part, the fair-weather sort. They abandoned him. They betrayed him. He came to his own, but his own received him not. They yelled out, crucify him. And an innocent man stood there on the cross. Yet on the cross, he did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. He refused to play the victim, and therefore he emerged the victor. And so it is with us. When life's not fair, let's shine, not whine, because God's taking us somewhere. Now, this whole idea of letting God define us led to a third decision in Joseph's life. When temptation comes, flee. Genesis chapter 39, we read, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Joseph's a good looking young guy. He's had a difficult life. He's entitled to a little pleasure, isn't he? And there's Potiphar. Potiphar's a very powerful man. 
I've observed that powerful men usually have really good-looking women at their side. I'm obviously a very powerful man. (laughs) This was a great temptation. Yet Joseph, I don't think he used a whole lot of willpower here. It was all about identity. He said, I know who my God is. My God is holy, and I can't do this great evil against him. Matter of fact, I know who I am. He's told me who I am. I'm a leader. I'm a leader in this household right now, and I'm destined to greater leadership, and I will not compromise. And that's the way I think resisting sin should be for us. It's not so much about willpower as it is identity, knowing who God is, knowing how holy he is, and knowing who we are in Christ. If Joseph would have succumbed to this temptation, would it have been pleasurable? Sure. But the Bible calls it the passing pleasures of sin. You ever heard how an Eskimo hunts a wolf? Eskimo will take a knife. He'll coat it in blood and let it freeze. Then he'll go out at nightfall and he'll stick the handle of that knife in the snow. So the only thing that's sticking up is the blood-covered blade. Then the Eskimo will retire to his igloo for the evening. And out comes the wolf. And the wolf will smell the blood and will see the blood and then lust after the blood and then go up to that knife and start licking the blood feverishly, just enjoying every lick till scarcely the wolf realizes that he's licking his own blood. And he'll take about two or three more steps and fall dead in the snow. And then come sunrise, the Eskimo will come up and pick up the dead wolf. That's the way sin is. It looks good. may even feel good at first. But then we're just licking our own blood. Joseph didn't want to do it, and neither should we. See, I like Atlanta, Georgia. It's a good place. Got the Coca-Cola Museum. You got Six Flags. You have the Braves, Cyclorama, lots of things to do there. I could say, Linda, we're going on a date to Atlanta. But to get to Atlanta, I got to go I-20 West. But if I got an I-20 East, I'm not getting to Atlanta. Oh, I may have some good times along the way. I mean, we could go to the, uh, make our way to uh, Florence and eat at the Thunderbird Buffet. <laughs> then the meal's over, and we've missed out on Atlanta. See, Joseph, he knew that God was taking him to a place called leadership and blessing. And to get there, he had to travel on the highway of holiness with God. And to go on some other road, the road of sin would not get him to where God wanted him to be. He may have some good times along the way, but he believed that what God had to offer him was better than what sin had to offer him. And that's the same decision we need to make as well. Well, this whole idea of definition leads us to a fourth lesson. And it's this, when people hurt you, don't give them power they don't deserve. I want you to think about a time when you've been hurt in life. I want you to think about the pain. Probably had bitterness, anger, might have sought revenge, might have even hated Think about how wound up you were, the nights of sleep that you lost. Now understand that the person who hurt you probably didn't lose a moment of sleep. Joseph, on his way down to Egypt, after he'd been betrayed by his brothers, had to have made a very profound decision. He had to make the decision because he functioned so well in Potiphar's household. He made the decision, I will not be consumed and controlled by bitterness and hatred and revenge. I will leave justice in the hands of the Lord. 
And if God wants to judge my brothers, fine. If he wants to bless my brothers, fine. But either way, they made a value statement about me. They mocked my dreams. They said I wasn't worth much as a person. But let me tell you something. God told me I'm going to be a leader. And I'm going to get there whether they like it or not. I'm going to be happy whether they like it or not. I'm going to be successful whether they like it or not. Sure enough, Joseph got down to Egypt, and as God's providence would have it, eventually he would be elevated to prime minister of Egypt. And and God would give him a wonderful plan to save the Middle East from starvation. And sure enough, years later, his brothers would be starving, and his brothers would come down and bow down to him. Now, at that moment, Joseph could have killed him, but he didn't. He didn't immediately choose to reveal himself to them. He tested them. He wanted to make sure that they were worth reconciling with. He wanted to protect his dad. He wanted to protect his little brother, Benjamin. But after a while, they passed the test, and he revealed himself to them. And he had already forgiven them, and he provided for them. And there's a summary of this in Genesis chapter 50, starting in verse, um, I think it would be 20 on the screen, but I'm going to start from verse 19. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Several things about this series of verses here. Notice that uh, Joseph forgave his brothers. And he probably did it just as much for himself as he did his brothers. He knew that he was not in the place of God, that justice was ultimately in the hands of the Lord. But I also want you to see that when you forgive someone, it does not mean what they did to you was okay. Because Joseph said, what you did to me was evil. And so when you forgive someone, you're not saying what they did to you was okay. Also, Forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Joseph forgave his brothers before he reconciled with them. Sometimes you need to put some barriers up to protect yourself or your loved ones from being hurt again. In this case, he reconciled with his brothers. That may or may not happen for you. I don't know. But understand this. Joseph did not allow his brothers to control his life and to have power over him that they didn't deserve. He made up his mind that God was in control of his life, not them. And so it is with us. No one, I don't care how much they hurt you, can take away your happiness. No one can take away your success in life. No one can get in the way of God getting to you, you to your destiny and fulfilling his dreams for your life. You can be successful whether they like it or not. And you can be happy whether they like it or not. So do not give people control that they don't deserve. Joseph said, I am what God says I am. But now I want to put a couple disclaimers out real quick. Because I don't want some teenager telling their parents tomorrow, don't tell me what to do. You can't define me. No other person can define you. But there is a place for admonishment and constructive criticism and honest feedback in the Christian life. 
It's not done for the purpose of defining you, but rather refining you. It's done by someone who has your back. It's, it, it's done by someone who is for you and not against you. Let me share an illustration with you. When I was in high school, I was a Christian, and I did something I shouldn't have done one time. I was out in public with some friends, and I had another Christian friend, Carrie, saw what I did. Smiled at me from a distance, shook her head, came over to me, put her arm around me, whispered in my ear, you're better than that, Jay. Remember who you represent. What a huge gift that was to me. Helping me reach God's dream for my life. And then another thing. A lot of times, quite frankly, we're jealous of the gifts of other people. And we feel bad about ourselves because we think someone else is gifted more than we are. To compare yourself to another person is to devalue you. Don't do it. Celebrate the gifts of other people. But where God has gifted you, own it. Amen. One of my favorite illustrations about this was uh, my friend and mentor, Dr. Jim Salter, longtime pastor of uh, Temple Baptist Church. One time he told me that he went to the state uh, pastor's conference. And of course, there were lots of guys there, pastors with slick back hair and fancy suits and uh, shiny Bibles, and they would preach loud, bombastic sermons with preacher voices. They were denominational animals. And Jim said, man, I don't have enough hair to slick back. I don't always wear a fancy suit. I, I, I preach sermons that are true, but they're not always fancy. He says, I don't care anything about denominational politics. I, I'm just a shepherd of a local congregation. So Jim got on his motorcycle. And he drove out in the country and he talked with God. He said, God, is it okay the way I am? And he figured out it was. Jim Salter on that motorcycle said, I am what God says I am. He might not have been like those other preachers, but he was a shepherd for that congregation. And when I had a broken life experience, I wanted him to minister to me. Oh, those other guys, they've ministered to me too through their messages. Dr. Salter's arm around me, that's what I needed. See, Dr. Salter made the decision. I am what God says I am. Joseph made that decision. I am what God says I am. And I'm telling you today, I am what God says I am. And so are you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, your dream for our life is our definition. May we apply it. May we believe it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. This is now the, the, the time in the service where we invite you to respond to God. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please do so today. Religion will never save you. You'll never be religious enough. Good works will never save you because you'll never be perfect. Jesus can save you, though. He died on the cross for your sins. He offers you the gift of eternal life. If you've never embraced him as Savior, do so today. If you want to make Spring Valley Baptist Church your church home, we'd love to have you here. Pastor Robert's going to be down front, and perhaps you just need to make a decision that you're tired of other people defining you, and you just need to do business with God, and you're going to too say, I am what God says I am. Feel free to talk to God about it down here.